Bibles to Proverbs chapter 14 verse 12 and Proverbs chapter 16 verse 25. These are very common classical passages, these two places. Uh, I want to talk to you about a glitch, our default position. I think most people are computer savvy today as opposed to even 10 years ago, 20 years ago especially. And so we've learned a lot about computers, whether we like it or not, because some of the things about computers are hateful. I mean, to be honest with you, electronics makes me crazy. I love it. It's a love-hate relationship. Uh, there's a, the sound system is old and beginning to die, and it has given us fits. We're trying to nurse it on, and, and we have this, these, this whole replacement sound system up here in case this thing dies, that we can just immediately switch over. And so that's kind of where we're at on that. We're looking into that. And so electronics is a wonderful thing, and it's a hateful thing. And if you've ever owned a computer, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, Proverbs talks about a default system that has been placed in us. You are a very, very complicated program. I don't know if you appreciate, you probably don't, the complexity of the programming that God has placed in us. The very simple things of reaching out and grabbing something takes all kinds of commands your brain, synop they call them synopses in your brain, and they, they fire off a chemical electric message which runs down your spinal cord to your six major ganglia. You didn't know I knew all that, did you? Six major ganglia. And if it's not right, don't correct me, please. Six major ganglia are nerve centers, and those nerve centers then go off into, you know, eventually tell your arm to raise up, like just like that right there, instant, speed of light and uh, grab something, pull it in. Your eyes go to your brain. Your brain's actually what sees. Your eyes just capture what's out there, turn it upside down. God's got a sense of humor, doesn't he? Turns the image upside down and puts it into the back of your brain through your optic nerve, and then your brain turns it right side up and interprets it. And there's so many things here, but you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You, don't, don't you let computers all you and oh that's you are so much superior to anything they've even dreamt of doing yet when you walk around every day take it for granted but i want to compare something that is found here in proverbs verses four uh, chapter 14 12 and 16 25 that has been built in you as a default system well it takes 30 minutes if you give me 30 minutes I believe I can help you. 
on the way out. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. In Proverbs 16, 25, very similar. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Duplication. Now, when the Bible says something once, it's big. When it says it twice, it's bigger. The multiplication of times is God's emphasis. You know, you, had, you were a child at one time. You had a parent. Stop! 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 Now, why did they say it three times? Because you didn't hear it the first time. And you needed a shot on the second time. And you got it on the third time. And um, uh, it's an emphasis process that we have. Uh, if you own a computer, as I said before, and your computer savvy, you understand the frustration of a default system. That is a system that has been programmed into the real core of the program that is hard to get rid of or can be. If you're trying to customize or correct a document in a word processing program, and you have what they call an autocorrect default, or you own an iPhone or another kind of smartphone, and you try to type a little text to somebody, and you have a default system in there that's what they call autocorrect. And you type in what you thought was a word, but the computer interprets that word as something else, as you've misspelled it, and it puts a complete... I've typed messages to people. I learned the hard way on this. I didn't look them over. Don't send them. And there's been cuss words. I'm a preacher, you know. And I can tell you, once in a while, preachers cuss. I, mean, it's, it's, I wish I could tell you they didn't. My wife's got a foul mouth. But anyway, uh, no. <laughs> but I, I mean, I drive around here, you know. And um, you'll type a message to somebody. I used to type them in, hit send, and then go, oh, no. And immediately you type in the word, I, I, didn't, meant, I didn't meant die, I meant do. But the computer thought it was die. I want you to do this, and I want you to die. I don't want that to happen. You and I have all kinds of default settings in our operation system. And if you want to change, and when we get born again, that's the whole idea is that God's trying to change your program. It is difficult, but not almost impossible to overcome, eradicate this propensity or default system. This default system is part of our, what the Bible calls your old nature or old program. I'm trying to stay a little computer-y today in my message here. Um, it is a written program that has been placed in our very core memory, this old nature. It controls our behavior without thinking much. Interesting that Doc mentioned that about when they hit your knee, how it it, it bounces out. Refle they check your reflexes at the doctor. You know, they hit your knee, and your knee goes out like that. He says that never goes to your brain. I never knew that. I learned something today. Never goes to your brain. It just goes to your ganglia area, and then boom, back, shoots it back. It's a reflex. I don't know why they check that. Do you? Do any of you know really why they check that beside him and the doc? I just think they want to hit you. But... Uh, you can seek to change some of that, but you're going to struggle with it. God says that he wants to make us in the image of Christ. And I can tell you that's a long way from where I got saved. 
And so you think you have something beaten, uh, an old default habit, an old sin nature, flesh, decision-making process or whatever. You think you got it beaten by the grace of God. In fact, you've had victory over it for 20 years. You say, that default system's gone. I beat it. Then somebody cuts you off. And all of a sudden, boom, you say something that you can't even believe you said. Well, I haven't said something like that in 20 years. I can't believe that Yankee made me do that. But it wasn't a Yankee that made you do that. It's that default setting. It's the old nature that you have in you. And the Bible says it. This is what faces us after we get saved. Uh, the new life in Christ, the new birth from above, the infusion of the Holy Spirit, His giving us a new program to live by, a whole new set of values to live by, uh, is a process of sanctification. I mean, when we get saved and we begin to inculcate His new program, we feel different. People told me after they get saved, they feel lighter. That's a description I've heard all my life. I feel lighter. I got saved, I feel lighter. I feel clean. That's another description I hear over and over again. I feel happier or more joyful. I'm more upbeat of this new program. Uh, but we struggle against that old thing called uh, the default setting here that you're right in your own eyes keeps wanting to come up. So don't be surprised as a Christian when that comes up. So first understand biblically we have been informed that we have this old default in us, and we're going to have to fight it. Every man is right in his, the ways of a man seemeth right. So it, you're, you're coming from the angle that you're right. And you got to work away from that. Do you want to know the truth, or do you just want to know what you think is the truth? They call it fake news. Do you really want to know what's true, or do you just want to know a bias of some sort that you have that you want to reinforce? The Bible says there's a way that seemeth right unto the man. There's a way that seemeth right. It is, it is deep in you. It's not a little surface thing. Uh, when you're talking on a subject, you come from the angle that you're right, and you understand it, and everybody else really don't have a grip on it. Uh, that's what they call an argument. This is the best marriage advice you've had in a long time. This default setting will hurt your marriage. I can't believe. You ever heard this, man? I can't believe that you feel like you're always right. You heard that voice? The problem, I never do, of course. Right. You ever looked at the book of Judges? The book of Judges in the Bible had an interesting, they, they were infected with a virus, the same virus. Judges 17, 6 says, in those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which is right in his own eyes, that default setting there. Judges 21, 25 says, in those days there was no king in Israel, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, then there are the ways of death. So the Bible basically tells me there's a way that seems right, but it's wrong. There's a way. This seems right. I, went, I called on a guy yesterday, and uh, I could tell right away he had an attitude. In fact, he said, I got an attitude. 
He was standing outside of his house. I was by myself. I had nobody to call with yesterday. Had you come calling, I would have had somebody to go call, but I, I went by myself. I was out there by myself, and I approached the old bird. And uh, yeah, I could tell he had a tood written all over him. I thought, well, I'm gonna, it's a challenge to me, and I'm going to see if I can talk to this old guy. And he was standing in front of his house, and he said, well, right now, I can tell you, when I walked up to him, he said, I'm not interested. I don't want it. Don't give it to me. I said, how old are you? He said, 66. I said, I'm 67. I said, you and I grew up in the same world. And he just, like, opened up. He just opened up and started talking to me. And we talked about, I mean, the world we were raised in was the same. We look at a lot of things similarly. Uh, we have an uh, interesting viewpoint because of our time that we were raised and the period of time we were raised. We wore fat ties when everybody wore skinny ties. But man, he said, you know, there's no eternity. I said, you know, you're going to live somewhere forever. I can tell you, you're going to live somewhere forever. He don't believe it. There's a way that seemeth right. He thinks his way is going to, it's going to work for him. It's going to be okay. I'm sitting there on the other side of it going, I know enough of the Bible and know what God's telling you, but someday you're going to stand eyeball to eyeball with Jesus Christ who died for you, who shed his blood for you, who was resurrected for you so you could be saved and miss hell. But you wouldn't even give it. You wouldn't even give the guys I sent by. I, I, I sent my prophets rising early and sending. And I, got to, I, went, I sent them to your house. I had them leave gospel tracks on your car. I had them do billboards along the road. I had them be on, they were on the internet and they were on TV. And you just kept walking through those warnings. Why? Because this default setting that you got that you're right. And brother, you can't get saved and you'll never go to heaven until you realize you're wrong. Now, there ain't no nice way of telling somebody they're wrong. Yeah? You ever try it? Sure you did. Sure you did. That's why you were arguing on the way to church. Nobody likes to hear. I, people say, well, I, I believe in non-confrontational evangelism. Well, how do you do that? How do you do non-confrontational evangelism? I mean, ultimately, the guy I'm talking to yesterday is going to die and go to hell. I've only got one shot with him. I'll probably never see him again. What am I going to do? Say, patty cake, patty cake, baker's man? Or am I going to tell him the truth? Or you're going to live somewhere forever. You're going to face God. You're going to have to answer to him. And Jesus Christ is the one who came and died for you, and if you miss him, then you're going to answer for your own sin. If you trust him as your Savior, you let him answer for all your sin. But he's got this default setting that he's right in his own eyes. His way of life, his way of viewing things is right. And consequently, if he follows that and doesn't beat that and doesn't allow God to beat it, because you've got to have, you gotta have help. And admit that you're a sinner. And admit you're unable to save yourself. And admit that your view of life has been wrong. And admit your unbelief has been wrong. 
and admit that the Bible's right and Jesus is real and he came and he died and he gave himself and he rose again the third day and he's on the right hand of the Father and you begin to read the book and you begin to say, I believe it, I believe it, then God himself will come and reset that. Yeah, and birth you from above. We're right in our own eyes, man. Our opinion is reasonable. Our knowledge is right. Our ways are good. Our attitudes are correct. Our judgments are fair. Our condemnations are balanced. We are right. Uh, now, for reasonables, for reasonableness sake, once in a while, it's possible that we could be wrong. But at best, it's rare. And really, the opposite's true. The opposite's true. But you know, does it not hurt you to imagine that you could be wrong? That's how bad off we are. This default sit, setting in our, in our old nature is so, so strong, so domineering, so overpowering, that it's actually hard and actually causes physical pain to admit you could be wrong. I've dealt with a lot of people about Jesus. The biggest obstacle they have with trusting Christ their Savior and receiving the free gift of eternal life is that they were wrong. Chief is raised Catholic. Raised Catholic, indoctrinated in that, and sometime down the road, Chief, you had to admit that that was wrong and Jesus was right. That wasn't easy. He was out calling the other day in a real hard neighborhood, and he came back all happy and said, I got to give the gospel to four people. I'm thinking, What? That's one of the hardest neighborhoods in all Lee County, one of the richest neighborhoods. He said, I got to give the gospel to four folks. I saw, they probably saw he was an Italian, he was Catholic, and it was like, oh, home week. <laughs> but they gave him a hearing. It's possible because he, they gave him a hearing that they could understand that their way that they've been in is not the right way. It's not the Bible way. Look, I don't care whatever denomination you are. You're not going to heaven on a denomination. You're not. You're going to heaven on the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ that he died for you and was buried and rose again the third day and that you're a sinner unable to save yourself. That's the knowledge that you're going to go to heaven on when you place your simple childlike faith in him and what he's already accomplished on the cross. And you, you say, well, Brother Bill, you know, that's why Jesus said, except you become as a little child, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. What a sad case of affairs. What, what is it? What, what is the difference between a little child and a big old adult? The little child don't mind admitting he's wrong, really. I mean, a child will say, okay, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Humble. In other words, the characteristic of a little child typically is humble. But what's the characteristic of a growing adult? We're proud, buddy. We don't want to admit that we're wrong. We'll fight to the death. We'll fight till 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh. 
how many marriage, marital fights go to two in the morning just because one of them don't want to admit they're wrong? I know my mom and dad would go at it. They think nobody can hear. Are you kidding me? I mean, when you're eight, nine years old, you got ears, you hear a, a pin drop in a windstorm, and my mom and dad would be trying to whisper, well, you know when you get angry how that works. And they'd be going at each other, you know, and, and, and I would be in bed going, why don't just one of you admit you're wrong so we can all go to sleep? And if they'd go a little longer, I'd say, please, somebody shut up. Because what I would see, because I'm standing away from it, without any, I don't have any, what do they say? I don't have nothing in the fight, right? I got nothing. If I love both of them, I think they're both wrong. And I'm right. <laughs> but my mom and dad are going, I'm thinking, look, look, folks, come on, come on, come on. He's got a point there. You know, she's got a point there. You both got points. Somebody shake hands and go to pay. They pick it up in the morning. Pick it back up in the morning. Now, my mom and dad are dead, or I couldn't say all that. They're dead. But they were saved. But you know what? I hate to, I don't, I hate to burst your bubble, but saved couples fight. Right, Troy? <laughs> Troy goes. The altar's open. The altar's open. Oh, I'm sure. When Troy got married, man, he married that. Well, anyways, uh, you ever heard that old song, I Got a Tiger by the Tail? But these, God wants you to delete it. Delete it. Oh, Lord, I need help. Well, here's some verses. Proverbs 3, 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Proverbs 16, 2. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. Proverbs 21, 2. Every man is right in his own eyes. Proverbs 30, verse 12. There's a generation that are pure in their own eyes, but we're living in it. Yet not washed from their filthiness, but we're there. Isaiah 5, 21. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes. Prudent in their own sight. So you think we got a problem? Brother, we got it. And it's big. And saved people have it. You can get saved, admit you're wrong, trust Christ your Savior. But you, I just told you, I spent the last 20 minutes telling you about the, it's not easy to get rid of this. The, the evil nature has this in its program. And the only way you're going to beat the default system is you're going to have to override it with the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So what that means is day by day, moment by moment, you're trusting God for His power being filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. And when you're in that environment, and in that case, you will not be sub subject to the default setting of being right in your own eyes, wise in your own eyes, and all that other stuff. There's hope. But let me say this. If you don't delete this, if you don't get a grip on this, it will destroy everything you touch. 
I've been in lots of deacons meetings. Now, what does a deacon mean? Deacon means just a group of men filled with the Spirit, love the Lord. Usually they're evangelistic, read the Bible through every year. They're on board. They're in, they're in grain. They're all over it. Church votes them on as deacons. They get into the deacon board and meetings, and we talk about stuff that we disagree on, right? Because people disagree, right? I want to put some field lights in. Well, I don't think we ought to spend the money. Well, I want to put some field lights in. Well, I don't think they'll be used. I want to put some field lights in. Well, I don't, I don't think, I think the electricity is going to raise our bill. I mean, there's a hundred different reasons why not to do some. But eventually, we, we go through it. Now, you got everybody sitting in that meeting has this default setting of being right in his own eyes. He has to get above that and realize that he can be wrong. What a revelation. You actually may be seeing this in a way that ultimately is not the right way to look at it. And so you eventually vote. I have voted for things that I'm not for, thinking that maybe I'm wrong. Oh. Maybe the majority here is right. Maybe I'm not seeing this from the right angle. You can grow in grace, and you'll begin to overcome this default system. But I don't think until Jesus takes you home, you receive the adoption of sons, which the Bible says is the redemption of your body. Until you receive the redemption of your body, which is death, you're not going to be free of it. It'll raise this ugly head at the most inopportune time you've ever seen in your life. You just got to beware that there's a battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against wickedness in high places. And, and one of the places of wickedness is right in here. But if we don't get a grip on this default that we're right in our own eyes, it will cheat you out of what God has for you. That's why I'm preaching about this today. I don't want you to be cheated. It'll rob you of God's intended purpose for your life. It will make us vulnerable to all manner of viruses. Little computer lingo there. That will eat out your guts. I had a virus one time come in my computer. This is when I had Microsoft. Never had that since I had Apple. But I had Microsoft, and I, you know, opened something up, and it got in there and ate the guts out of my computer. There's just nothing left. Didn't even allow me to shut it off. Turned my ability to shut the stupid thing off. Had to unplug it. You ever had that happen? Oh, you didn't want to admit it, do you? I, I got so, with, with Microsoft, I got so, so common taking it down. $250, get it clean. $250, get it clean. I finally wouldn't open something up unless almost there was a seal on it. Somebody sent me something the other day, and I'm still pretty much that way. They sent me something. I said, write me back something that only you and I would know. He wrote me back and said, you're ugly. (laughs) Okay, I got it. I got it. I get it. I get it. Astute individual. But you got to write me back something that I know or I'm not going to open it. Don't send me stuff unless you write something that I am going to know that you and me, I know, because that's a great way to just ruin your whole computer, right? Say yes, will you? Help me out. 
But you, if, you don't, if you don't get a grip on this, it's going to corrupt your files. It's going to let worms in your life and malware in your life and cookies <laughs> will destroy you. It will contaminate you. It will skew you. I looked up a verse, and just through the whole Bible, I looked up the, the subject of death, because that's the end of, what, what is the ways of death, right? It's the end of, right, our text. So I looked them up. It says, here's what I found under the subject of death. There's such a thing as the ways of death. There's something as the chambers of death and the way to hell, the snares of death, the bitterness of death, the waves of death, the shadow of death, the gates of death, the sleep of death, the sorrows of hell, the sorrows of death, the dust of death, the terrors of death, the taste of death, the pains of death, the sting of death, the suffering of death, the power of death, the fear of death. All of these will be yours if you do not understand this default setting that you write in your own eyes. You've got to go to the Bible with the attitude that I am wrong and this is right. You want to know why people tell me all the time they read the Bible and get nothing out of it? As long as that default setting's in place, you read that and say, yeah, that may be good for Abdiel, but any good for me. You can maybe be sitting there right now thinking, I, I hope he preaches to those people who have that trouble. <laughs> I've had people leave here, and, and I go out there and try to shake your hand and get to know you a little bit. And other people say, boy, I'm glad you gave it to them today, preacher. <laughs> I'm not giving it to them. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. I like it when I'm talking on marriage and the wife's elbowing the husband. She's probably the worst one. I know one thing, she's right in her own eyes on that one. You know, we need to go to God. God, you're right. I need help. And I'm wrong. And not only am I wrong, I'm self-deceived. I have a propensity to look at what I say, do, think, view as the best way. Egocentric, it's been called. I know some folks may be sitting there right now doubting what I'm saying to be so. Excusing yourself. Or maybe even giving yourself a break. Dismissing anything that's been said that may have brought conviction on you. Wondering why this preacher won't just shut up and close it out. And you'll go home the same as you came this morning. Right in your own eyes. And the default setting of the evil nature will be well in place. And you're on your way 
to death. See, I hate to inform you this, but I can inform you that a born-again Christian is never going to die. Preacher, you're crazy. Now I know you're crazy. I've known a lot of Christians die. See, physical death is just a moving out of this tent, out of this containment, to another one. It's not the cessation of consciousness. Nowhere in the Bible, it's not the cessation of consciousness. The Bible uh, portrays death as just a moving from one state to another. Jesus said, he that, believeth, he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Well, he ought to know. And so we're, you're never, if you follow, if you'll humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and you'll trust Christ as your Savior, and you begin to look to the Bible for the truth to offset your natural default of, of the evil nature that wants to make you right in your own eyes, you're going to be part and parcel of eternal life. And in fact, you're, going to, you're told by Jesus, you're never going to die. Die. What is death? What is death? It's the separation of you from God. Ultimately, the second death, as the Bible calls it, is the separation of you from God. Because who is God? What is God? He's all that is beautiful. He's all that is true. He's all that is just. He's all that is right. He's all that is wholesome. And so on many more things. And anybody in their right mind, which is spirit-filled mind, wants to be with him going to heaven. We're not going to be up there playing some little harp and being bored out of our mind. Brother, God's the creator of all that is. He's going to have you doing something. The Bible says his servants shall serve him. You like to make stuff now? How much more are you going to want to make it in heaven? But you'll not be held back by the things you're held back now. God's got a job for us. He's got universes, galaxies to discover and to make and to do. But he's He's shaking this world out to see who loves him, who doesn't. Who be humble, who be proud. Oh, may you be one of his children. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Father, help us this morning. May the Spirit of God explain this better than I can. As we have just a simple little song played on the organ for just a few moments. And as we ask for an invitation time, as we sing, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. I went forward many a time with that old song. And God, you worked with me every time. If I humble myself, you'll come to me. If I will overcome that built-in wicked default system that makes myself right in my own eyes, and I will trust you, you'll let me see wondrous things out of thy law. Help now someone to trust you. May Lord Jesus help them to overcome that, that blinding process. As Christians, as married people, a single people, help us not to always assume our rightness 
but help us to walk humbly with our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.